Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue with our series titled The Way of the Cross. Christine Geshom shares with us today on how this way is one of selfless service. As we listen to the word, can we ask God to soften our hearts and speak deeply to us? Hi church, it's a joy to bring God's word to you today. As you know, we've been doing this uh, Lenten series called The Way of the Cross. And uh, we looked at how the way is a narrow way. We looked at how this way is one of impactful influence, not just of ordinary influence, but impactful influence. And today we're going to be looking at how the way of the cross is actually one of selfless service. It's not ordinary um, because it, it has two aspects to this, selfless and service. And so we're going to be looking at two different things today. Um, which combined uh, becomes really the way uh, and method in which we're supposed to walk the way to the cross. And so what is selfless service? Um, I was recently reading a book by um, a renowned psychiatrist, and this is what he wrote about a research that he did on about 20 regular individuals, normal individuals. Uh, he called them in for a brain study, and he made all of them come in and get scanned by an MRI uh, machine just to see what their brains were emitting during an ideal state. So what he did was he asked these people who came in to just lie down in the scanner and empty their brain of thoughts, which is not easy for most of us because our minds are always racing with things. So these people who came in for the test came in and were asked to just focus on their breathing and to empty out every other thought from the brain, to not think of anything. And you will not believe that when the scan results came out, during the time that they were in the scanner, when they were asked to think of nothing, uh, the midline portion of the brain, which is where, uh, you know, the center parts of the brain lit up on the MRI scan for all 20 of them. And on more research, they found out that the midpoints of the brain, the midline portion of the brain is what is keeps us self-aware. It, it's what keeps us self-focused. And so um, by way of conclusion, it's obvious that the best of us, the worst of us, all of us, uh, most of the time are obsessed and focused and thinking about ourselves. I won't go so far as to say we're all basically selfish. Maybe we are, I don't know. But we are all inherently focused on ourselves. We're self-aware. Uh, we're self-protective. Uh, we're so um, focused on, on promoting ourselves, making ourselves better, and so basically, inherently, we're so self-focused. And which is why I think Jesus in Mark 8, this is what he says. He says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Basically, Jesus is saying you have to die to yourself. That's what deny yourself sounds like. Does it feel too much to ask of you? Because we do have legitimate needs. We have a certain identity. Is Jesus saying, give up all that? Not at all. Not at all. He expects you to retain that identity. In fact, now Christ comes in and you have a new identity in him. Your needs are legitimate. He says, ask and you will receive. He says, seek first my kingdom and all these things which are our needs will be added to us. So he's not negating that. What he's saying is, in the root version of that word, he's saying you need to reject the things. You need to completely annihilate the things that are of yourself, your selfish ways, your selfish ambitions, and pursue me. 
So today we're going to be looking at two aspects of this. We're going to look at selfless, which is about our personhood, really. And we're going to be looking at service, which is our purpose, the God-given purpose God has for each of us. If you look at Jesus's life, the whole way to the cross, his life on earth, those three years of ministry, it was one of selfless sacrifice, giving himself, pouring himself out for people. And yet he was the son of God. He was God in flesh. At any point of time, he could have brought in his deity, he could have uh, exercised that kind of control, but no, he was so selfless and he constantly served others. And so we have the greatest model in Jesus himself. And so today I want us to look at what exactly selflessness looks like to each of us. Um, when you look at it broadly, uh, I was able to classify the whole nature of ourself into three aspects. The first thing that we might have to die to ourselves about is our need for self-preservation. And I put this first because it's top on my list. I tend to need um, everything to be under control. I need to have all my ducks in a row. I need to be able to see the, the end from the beginning. When it comes to my children, when it comes to my husband and me, when it comes to our home, when it comes to our families, we want to self-preserve. It is an innate nature. You look at a, a, a baby, a little baby newborn, the way they cry, needing, you know, sustenance or when their diaper is dirty. Why? Because they know they need to preserve themselves. They know there's some inherent need to protect themselves. You look at career criminals. They will do everything to stay clear of authorities. They will do everything to keep themselves out of jail. Why? Because it is hardwired in us to protect and preserve ourselves. But here Jesus has a different way of looking at it. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 19 verses 27 to 29. This is what it says. Peter said to him, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Peter had a very legitimate, logical question. He's saying, Lord, we gave up everything for you. And a lot of you may be saying that today. Lord, in following you, I've given up my family. I've given up my, my heritage. I've given up my inheritance, my physical inheritance. I've given up so much, Lord. What do I get? Because that is our innate need to preserve ourselves, to protect ourselves. But Jesus is saying, giving us a better way. He says, yes, I know you have given up. But trust me, I have rewards for you. They may be eternal rewards. They, they could be temporal rewards, but I have rewards for you. I also give you eternal life. And so for us today in our tendency to keep self-preservating, in our tendency to go on protecting ourselves, can we hand over the reins of that to God and say, Lord, yes, my tendency is to preserve myself. My tendency is to protect and build up walls and keep us caged and safely. But today in following you on this narrow way, help me to trust you to protect me, to trust you to preserve me because you will do it best anyway. That's the first thing, that we must deny ourselves the need to self-preserve. The second thing I believe that we must do in order to deny ourselves is deny the need to self-promote. If you look at social media today, we have something called promotions, paid promotions. So you can actually pay to get your um, your content pushed in front of people's eyes. And so therefore you get more views, you get more traction. 
Um, all of that works. It's important. We need business strategies like that. If you have a brand of your own, you push it, you promote it, uh, you keep putting it out there so that people know of you, they've heard of you, and they want to buy from you. All of this is great business. It's good for your business. But a lot of times, have you noticed that we try to pr promote ourselves and our agendas more than what God has for us? Sometimes we're pushing so hard, we're running ahead of God himself on this track. But here today, I believe God wants us to take a second look at how we self-promote. Can we look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 21? This is what it says. Jesus teaches about serving others. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. She sounds like a typical Indian mother, one who's pushing her sons uh, right to the forefront. But here's the thing, Jesus is saying that's not important. Can they drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Because I sit at the right hand of the father. Can they do what I'm going to do? And she vouches for them. She says, yes. And they, in fact, they themselves say, we can do it. And the truth is they do. They, they do live very sacrificial lives once Jesus leaves the earth. But how often are we in the position of either Mrs. Zebedee or one of her sons where we want to be front and center, where we promote ourselves, we push ourselves, we, we advocate and talk on behalf of ourselves? Because sometimes we feel no one else will do it. No one else will speak up for us. No one else will, will promote what we actually have or speak of what is great in us. But can I ask you today to do what Jesus urged the disciples? He said, if anyone wants to be a leader, he must be the servant of all. And that's scary because in today's world, if I behave like a servant in the corporate world, I'm going to get trod upon. I'm going to be smashed into nothing because everyone is going to just walk over me. It's a rat race. Everyone's moving forward. But Jesus' ways are foolproof. This is tried and tested over time. He says, you be a servant of all and you will be a real leader. Jesus himself washed the feet of his disciples and he said, that's what you must do for one another. And so today, can I ask you, if you have a tendency to self-promote, you have a tendency to push yourself to the front of the line because you want to be seen, you want to be heard, would you be able to trust your God with promoting you, with giving you that platform you're looking for, for giving you that promotion that you are desperate for because he knows what you need and he will do it in his time. But will you trust him until then? Will you trust that if he has promised you something, he will do it for you? So that's the second thing, the, the need to die to our inherent need to self-promote. And the third thing is needing to die to our self-indulgence. Now, this covers all of the things that are sinful attitudes, sinful needs in our lives. We live in a time when we are bombarded by the things that uh, sometimes the market tells us you need. So often I get on my phone, Christine, your Pani Puri Wala misses you. You need to order from Swiggy. So they remind me of something that I'm trying to avoid. Or I get online, um, you know, tips from Mintra and from Amazon. My husband goes crazy because the minute I see that, I think I should open the app. But you see how this works? They cater to our indulgences. If you have a, a, an addiction to shopping, we have something that always caters to that. If you are trying to beat porn, but those websites keep popping up or you keep getting tempted by looking at certain things on social media, or maybe 
there was an app that you deleted that you know as a married person you shouldn't be on but there's always that temptation to just try it out one more time that comes under your self indulgence the things that please our flesh and don't please the spirit of god who dwells in us can i read mark chapter 7 verses 20 to 23 it says then he added jesus is speaking here it is what comes from inside that defiles you for from within out of a person's heart come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery greed wickedness deceit lustful desires envy slander pride and foolishness all these vile things come from within they are what defile you i would say this list is pretty exhaustive it covers almost all of the things that afflict us at one time or the other and here jesus is telling his people because the pharisees were pointing out how his disciples don't do the ritual washing i know now with the corona virus all of us are ritually washing our hands but here were the pharisees who were so finicky about their outward cleanliness that they had forgotten about the condition of their heart and jesus was saying hey you know washing hands is one thing but your heart condition matters what have you allowed to defile your hearts and so today it's not mere religion this is a relationship with jesus and in a relationship with jesus he said hey the things that defile you have to be removed and the things that please the spirit have to dwell in you and and of course we know in romans chapter 6 verse 12 to 14 paul writes very clearly about what it is to have sin reigning in our body therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its it in its lusts and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourself to god as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to god for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace and this is a good thing for us to remember that the antidote to the self indulgences of our life is having a victor's mindset not a slave mindset you know so often we think oh i can't get over this addiction i'm not able to stop being proud about certain things i'm not able to be content greed is my go to nature but here paul writes that sin doesn't have to reign because now we live with christ and he has given us his power to overcome these indulgences to actually trample upon the things that have threatened to overtake us we are no longer slaves to sin we are victors in jesus we are overcomers in jesus and so in order to die to self indulgence we need to walk in victory we need to claim that victory every single day we need to actually actively involve the holy spirit in our battle against those sinful things so i want us to reiterate in order to actually die to ourselves you know what jesus said deny yourself we must first deny our need for self preservation we must deny our need for self promotion and we must deny ourselves of self indulgence but it also goes to show that if we deny ourselves if we die to something we must live for something else if we deny something we must take up something else and what is it that we're going to take up if you look at that verse from mark 8 jesus says i ask you to deny yourself take up your cross and follow me so what does it look like to take up the cross so often when we talk about taking up our cross a lot of t- times we think it's the burdens and the and the horrible things we have to bear but let's look at what the cross looked like meant to jesus the cross was a symbol of jesus's great love 
for humanity. It, it's a love that we cannot even fathom. It's a love we cannot even uh, quantify. That's the kind of love the cross symbolizes. The cross also symbolizes the ultimate sacrificial service that Jesus did on behalf of all of humanity. He didn't have to do it. But yet he committed himself to serving all of mankind by carrying that cross and being crucified on it. So what does it mean to carry the cross and follow him? I believe it has two connotations. I believe that we are called to live in love and we're called to live in service. And so let's look at what it means to actually live in love. We know this, it's been talked about, we all know about God's immense love, but what does it mean for us to walk this narrow way, living in love? What does that look like? 1 John chapter 4 verses 20 to 21. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. It's so funny that it's so intrinsically linked. It's so intrinsically linked that we must love God and love people. We cannot separate the two. It's almost like they're joined uh, so tightly. I remember recently that our daughter, um, our middle child, um, asked my husband to pray with her the sinner's prayer and she wanted to accept Jesus into her heart. And as parents, it was our greatest joy to see her do that. Um, as soon as she did that, um, her two brothers reminded her that, you know, now that you've done this, you can't beat us up. You can't scream at us. And lo and behold, one week later, she was doing that very thing. And they reminded her of how, how can you say that you love God, but you're so mean to us. And, and while it seems funny, she, she was so offended by being, that being pointed out to her. But that's the truth, isn't it? It's so hard sometimes because it's easy to say, I love God, who's this metaphysical form who we don't see. It's easier to say that. But then the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Can I love my neighbor, the most unlovable people, the brothers who irritate me? Is it possible for us to love them? That was the question my daughter was wrestling with. And that's the question most of us are wrestling with today. How do we love people the way God loves us? It's impossible almost. But here God is saying, try. That's what it's, it's really about us trying. We need to remember how loved we are. And you know, it, it was just, I was just remembering how sometimes when we have a glass of water, which is already pre-filled um, and we want to make it, you know, colder or hotter, um, we want to add something to it. It's impossible because the cup is already full. And so it requires that we empty the cup in order to add uh, the, the liquid of our, of our choice of what we want, the temperature we want. And therefore, it requires that we empty ourselves of all that is of ourself. You know, all that self-promotion and preservation and indulgences, when we empty ourselves, we make ourselves available for God to pour his love in. And that's when we are available and ready to do exactly what he purposes for us to do. If we are filled with ourselves, we have no availability for God to fill us with more. And so today I want to ask you, when you deny yourself, when you work on denying yourself with the help, Spirit's help, Will you ask God to fill you with his love so that you can love others? Because the truth is this, the litmus test to the world is in watching how we love others. Only when they see us love each other, will they actually want to know about Jesus. If they see us biting and devouring each other, slandering each other, they, they're not going to want to be a part of this. They're not going to want to know who Jesus is. 
But when they see us love each other, when they see us um, honor each other above our own needs, that's when the world wants to know a little bit more about Jesus. So the first thing is that we die to ourselves in order to live in love. The second thing I believe that we must do is that we must live to serve. I want us to look at John chapter 21 verses 15 to 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's so interesting that we looked at how loving God and loving people are linked. In the same way, loving God and serving his people is also intrinsically linked. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter every time responded saying, of course, I, I love you. I love you so much. And he says, feed my sheep. He says, if you truly love me, you'll feed my sheep. And, and my father has always reminded me of this, that, you know, when you feed sheep, the sheep can be quite in your face. They can, they sometimes kick you. They, they pull you down. They hurt you. But ultimately, they're dependent on you. They need you. And will you serve? It means that you might get hurt in the process. You might get dirtied in the process that you might actually feel exhausted at the end of the day. Jesus was asking that to Peter because Peter was going to live a life of incredible um, persecution, suffering, and yet one of incredible um, fruitfulness. And Jesus was saying, are you ready? Will you sign up for that? Because when you love me, you have to feed my sheep and my sheep are not easy always. It's a hard journey ahead. Will you feed my sheep? And so today, the requirement of each of us is not just to Love people in word, but to love them in action. And that's what service really is, isn't it? It's about saying, I love you through what we do. You look at any regular family. Wouldn't it be weird if the whole time we were telling each other, I love you, I love you, I love you, but then did nothing for the other person. Service is actually love in action. It's putting our money where our mouth is. It's saying, hey, you know what? I say I love you, but I'm going to do it. If it means... You know, going the extra mile for you, I will do it. That's what service looks like. If you're asking today, what does this service look like for me? This is what Jesus, Jesus gave some ideas, which I think we can use for our lives. Matthew chapter 25 verses 34 to 40 in the message version says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me, you did it to me. What a sobering thought that the least of these, the people that we barely throw a glance at, those are the people we are called to serve. Not those who will invite us back into their houses or give us fancy gifts. He's saying the least of these. 
And so it translates down to our lives. Um, would you, when your gardener comes to work in your house, would you give him a, a cold glass of lemonade? When your maid comes, will you treat her like an equal? Will you pay those who are dependent on you their wages on time? Will you treat those who work for you with the uttermost dignity? Those are our acts of service. That's what Jesus is asking us today. In loving me, you have to serve and feed my sheep. You have to look after my people. That is our calling. This way of the cross, it requires a constant, almost daily dying to ourselves. That need to self-preserve will keep coming up. But we decide every single day, no, I trust you, Lord, to preserve me. I'm going to go out of my way and serve someone. And I know I could get hurt in the process, but Lord, you protect me. Lord, I'm going to stop self-promoting. Maybe I'll continue promoting myself in terms of my business, but promoting myself so that people see and hear me. Lord, I'll trust that you will give me the platform. You will give me that prominence at the right time. Maybe your indulgences are getting the better of you. And because of that, you have nothing left to give others. But God is asking today, will you empty that glass out? Will you empty all that has taken up residence in your house for too long? Residence in your heart for too long? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's thoughts of lust or adultery. Maybe it's things that have corrupted you for a long time. But he's saying, hey, today you're not a slave anymore to sin. You have me. You're a victor. You're an overcomer. Will you empty yourselves so that you can live free and available for God to use you to serve someone else? The smallest acts of service are service to our King. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. If you're like me and thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Because, uh, you know, in, in, in the list of priorities, I, I, I kind of top the list. I have my needs which are right on top. And how am I going to die to myself? I want to read for you Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, which has encouraged me personally. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. And so I want to encourage you, if you are like me saying, I don't know if I can die every single day to myself. Can we ask God for help? He has given us grace in abundance. Can we ask Jesus, I need you. I need your grace to pull me out of the pits of the self and enable me to live for others. I want to live, Lord, a life of selfless service to others, to you. Can we actually step into that place of saying, Lord, no more my needs, my wants, my preferences. Lord, what do you want? What do you have in store for me? What can I do to stand squarely in your in your center of your will and do what you have purposed for me? Can we pray a quick prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you that, Lord, you've given each of us an inherent need to protect ourselves and care for ourselves, Lord. And that's important and we thank you. But I am asked that, Lord, you would forgive us of the times when we have looked to preserve and promote and indulge ourselves in a way that is not pleasing to you, O Father. And we ask right now that we will empty ourselves of all that has taken up residence that is contrary to your will for our lives, Lord. And Father, we pray that we will have more space, Lord, for your love to come in. More space, Lord, for your love to flow out towards others. I pray that, Lord, we will live 
in a place of selfless service towards others. That Lord, we will trust you to protect us. We will trust you to pro provide for us. We will trust you, Lord, to fill the deepest needs in our life. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you go through this week, as you go through the rest of these days of Lent, can I ask that you will take time every day to maybe do one simple selfless act of service to anyone, the least of these, and that you will consistently look deeper at yourself to see where the self has taken up prominence over what God wants for you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, Make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.